Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is episode number 10. We are already 10 episodes into the Grace Point Daily Podcast, so I am so thankful for all of you that have been listening. Today, we have a very special guest, Pastor Rachel Johnson. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. We are excited. We figured that on our 10th episode, we might as well bring out our biggest and best guest yet. Your daughters have been on the podcast, and now you get to be on the pad- podcast. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Along with me. So I'm she, I might be a little nervous because I have to do a really good job while Rachel's on the podcast. Uh, part of the podcast is all, this podcast is really about giving you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And I think one of the things that encourages us the most is stories. And on one of our last episodes, we heard the story of Doug Reed. We've had Zoe and Gabrielle share their stories. And that's what I want to do today because I think my wife has a tremendous powerful story and I think it will encourage you and lift you up. So Pastor Rachel, I want today, I want you to give people your story from start, maybe not to the end because it's obviously not done yet, but tell us your story, your upbringing, who you are and how you came to know Christ. Well, I grew up in Shelby, Iowa, which is a small town in the middle of the Midwest. And I would go out during the day and feed the goats and the sheep and be in the fields. And I think during that time is where I learned to hear the voice of God speak to me. And when I would hear the voice of God, I just listened to it. And through the years of growing up, I heard, I often heard Dr. James Dobson talk on the radio and he would say, oh, these teenagers, they always go out and do all these bad things. And we hope that they're going to make it. And we don't really give them much hope, but you know, hang in there. And so I remember thinking, well, I don't have to do all those bad things. I bet you I can make it to 20 without doing all those bad things that he's saying we have to do. So that was the first thing that I heard people say. And then the second thing was happening at the same time. Our church would have Teen Challenge come. And of course, we all know and love Teen Challenge and appreciate their ministry and the lives that they're totally changing. But as a young girl, I remember sitting and listening to Teen Challenge and saying, well, if I didn't drink, I wouldn't have to become an alcoholic. And if I don't do drugs, then I don't have to become a drug addict. And if I don't uh, sleep around with guys, I won't be a prostitute. So I thought, man, I should just avoid doing those things. I'll never have to go to Teen Challenge. And so those are the kind of things that molded my life saying, hey, I'm not going to do those bad things. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to serve him. And so I remember when I reached about 20 years old, I realized, oh my goodness, I made it. I'm 20 years old. I didn't do all those things that everybody said you had to do when you're a teenager. And here I am on the other side and I made it. But it didn't end there. My family would travel and sing when we were very young, and so we would sing at different churches. And then, of course, coming with singing also comes, oh, hey, you have to talk and you have to say something. And so as I got into college and I would go and sing at some different churches, they would say, oh, why don't you share a message? And I'm like, well, nobody wants to hear from me because I'm boring. (laughs) I'm just the boring church girl. Nobody really cares about your story because you didn't come out of Teen Challenge. You didn't come out of this amazing story that everybody wants to hear. But about that same time, I really felt the Lord speak to me and say, well, you do have a story. You do have a testimony that people can have. And I don't think it's told enough. I think the Lord was speaking to me that, you know, that your story is one that's not shared enough, that we don't publicize that enough that you don't have to do all those things. You don't have to be a statistic. Everybody says, oh, teenagers are going to get pregnant. Oh, they're going to go to parties and they're going to do drugs and they're going to, you know, all want to work at Hooters and be the pretty girl that everyone looks at. And 
I thought, wow, okay, I don't have to do those things. And now God wants me to tell other people that you don't have to do those things. So about my college years, I started giving my testimony and encouraging people that, hey, you can live your life 100% for Jesus and have an amazing life and do all kinds of cool things without having had done, having had, have done all the things that the world tells you you have to do. And so through the years, I would share that story, you know, here and there. And then when we, when we became youth pastors, we shared that with our youth kids. And years after we were youth pastors, a girl sent me a letter and just said, hey, thank you for your stand on purity. She said, I know exactly what you were wearing and exactly what you look like when you stood up there and said, I've never used alcohol, I've never smoked, and I've only been with my husband. She said, I choose purity. I choose to live that life as well. And so I looked at Jeremiah and I said, wow, someone's listening. I can't believe someone's actually listening. And if someone's listening, then I should probably keep talking. And so I wrote a book called God's Girl to help teenage girls to deal with the things that they're going through and to encourage them that, hey, I'm here to run alongside you. I'm here to encourage you that you don't have to do all those bad things, that you can serve the Lord. And it's an awesome opportunity to serve the Lord and not have all these baggage, you know, these bags behind you having to trip you up and to slow you down in life. And so that's how God's Girl started. And then from God's Girl, which is the book, I uh, thought, well, I have this book. I'm really not sure what to do with it because there's really no reason for anyone to read it if they don't know it exists. And so that's when we started doing, at that time it was called Not For Sale. And then we switched it to No Price Tag when we began to legally register it. And so we started No Price Tag conferences just to tell girls the same thing, that, hey, you don't have to do all these things in the world. You can walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and live for him and not do everything that the world tells you to do. And so that's kind of everything in a really brief, very short nutshell. So we need to dive back through this, but I'm really glad that you are the first, that you are the one that made a Hooters reference on this podcast before I ever did. So thank you very much for that. I didn't even know you knew that place, what that place was. So anyway, let's, let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in a Christian home. What was that like? Did you have a, was it an intense Christian family? I mean, what was your Christian family like? I know there's people that grow up Christian, but what was the dynamics of your family specifically? Well, there was a mom and a dad and four kids. And yes, we grew up not just a Christian family, but we grew up involved in the church in every area that we possibly could be involved in. I remember being involved in youth and children's and music. Our family was very musical. My dad played the piano and my mom sang and all those kids sang. So yeah, we were very involved in church. We went to the Somebody's of God has a boys and girls program called Missionettes and Royal Rangers. We were a part of that. So yes, we were involved in every area of the church that we possibly could be involved in. So it was more than just going to church. Your family really had you involved reading the Bible, active in the church, right? Yes, sir. Now, did you, your family, did they, did they want you to be in ministry? What was that like? Did they encourage you to live out? I mean, so we got to the end of your story. Now you're at this point in life, you're doing these conferences. You've literally, literally preached to thousands of girls and people throughout your ministry. Was that in your thought process growing up? Was that what your parents had, had spoke over you or what was that like? Well, I think when we sang growing up at different churches that I learned to be comfortable on a stage, comfortable singing, giving a little testimony here and there. I didn't really talk or preach or anything when I was little, but I did maybe share a little word or something before you sing. Um, 
Did you have so, that? Did you have that kind of feeling growing up though that you're like, I'm going to be in ministry. I'm going to preach to. Did you have? Was that in your brain? Well, I knew I wanted to be in ministry. I knew that God had called me to ministry. I um, didn't know exactly that I would be preaching or anything, but I just, I just wanted to say yes to Jesus. And so, I actually the first thing I remember about ministry was I remember there was a person in the church that was over the Christian education department. And I remember them saying, oh, this person is a Christian education director. They lead the Sunday school and they get paid to do that. And I remember thinking, oh, that's really cool that they get paid to teach Sunday school. And so, I mean, I didn't really know that much at that time, but I just knew that I wanted to do whatever God asked me to do. And so, yes, I always knew I was going to be in the ministry, but I didn't know exactly what that meant or what those doors would open and what it would lead to, I guess. All right. As you became a lot of your message, the no price tag message is obviously geared towards teenage girls. What about you as a teenager? I know that you shared that you didn't want to drink or things like that. Did you ever have a rebellious moment or a temptation moment? Did you ever have any of those? I know, again, I'm not, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I often hear Christians say, you know, they're, they're, I, I rebelled or did you have any moments like that as a teenager? No, I never rebelled. I was always very focused. I focused on school, doing good at school. I focused on church, being involved. I was, like I said, I was in the Missionette program when I graduated from the Missionette program. Uh, youth group, just, I would always, well, we did like plays and stuff, like church plays. And so I was involved in that. I think my goal was just to, in high school, was just to do everything that the church had for me to do. It had, so no, I didn't ever rebel against the Lord. I always wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do and be involved in church as much as I possibly could. So I definitely would think, I think being involved in church was a huge part of our lives. And yeah, I didn't ever rebel that I know of. I'm sure on certain days I was, <laughs> that I sinned and was naughty. But, but you didn't have, you didn't have any boyfriends. You didn't have any of those struggles whatsoever. No, because no one was as amazing as you. <laughs> I'm trying to pull some information out of. Well, her I mean, I had maybe... like, I mean, I had boys that liked me here. I liked them or something, but it wasn't ever a major. I don't know a major thing, you know, just friendships. So you go through high school, you make it, you conquer, you overcome. You didn't have to submit to all that stuff that people like me and so many other teenagers go through. And then you get to you get to college. What was like that that transition like as you graduate and move into college? Um, I was excited to go to college. I didn't realize what it would be like either. But I mean, same thing. I wanted to succeed in college. That was my goal was to be as as successful as I possibly could in my college career. And in college again, I I don't even know all the things. But I mean, I was an honor student. And I think I was a senior speak. I know I was a senior speaker. I might've been student of the year. I don't know all the things, but I just wanted to just be the best that I could. Um, in college, I got straight A's and, and did you, at that point, did you know what you wanted to be or do, or did you have a definitive direction? Well, I started out in college as a children's major and there were some guys there that are like extremely amazing children's pastors today. But at that time I just saw them juggling and doing circus acts and being clowns. And I thought that's what children's ministry was. And so I realized, um, that's not really me. And so I switched from children's ministry to pastoral studies. So that, oh, that way I'll just get a broad degree and then I can figure out from there where to go. So 
I did um, change majors, and then when I graduated, I had a pastoral studies degree, and I didn't even realize, though, when I graduated that I could take the test to become licensed with the Assemblies of God, and so they're like, are you going to take the licensing test? And I'm like, oh, what do I have to do? And they're like, you have all your classes done. All you need to do is take the test. So I took the test and got licensed with the assembly. So it's basically just been step by step uh, being obedient with the next thing that God opens. I just have always tried to be successful and work hard at what I'm doing. And then the Lord always seems to open up the next door, whether I know what I'm doing or not. And that's a great, that's a great segue. That was on my brain. Uh, what's it like or what was it like? I should say, what was it like being a woman in ministry? What's it like being a woman in ministry? What Meanwhile, was it like? What is it like now? I don't know. What's it like being a guy in ministry? <laughs> well, I have more advantages. I have more. It, well, it's scary being a guy in ministry, especially in our culture today with all the things that are happening with guys and temptations and things like that. It's very difficult. But when you were in college, you're a single female in ministry. And I know even today, it's hard for some people to embrace women in ministry, even today with equality and all these things going on. What, what was it like at that time? I don't know. I was surrounded by great people. Uh, Dr. James Allen was one of the professors there, head of the pastoral studies department. And he just, him and his wife took me under their wing and they encouraged me and they blessed me. And so, you know, I never even knew about the controversy with women in, in ministry. And then there's another guy, Dean Nefaratis, that's always cheered me on since I was a senior in college. So I don't know. I don't get into that controversy very much. I just do what God's <laughs> calling me to do. And my biggest thought is, you know, when I get to heaven, I don't think, or when anybody gets to heaven, I don't think they're good. God's going to turn them away because they were led to the Lord by a woman. <laughs> so I figure I'll just keep preaching and God can sort that out in the end, whether or not I was doing what was right. All right. What about the, uh, we're not necessarily going to dive in politically here per se, but what about the Me Too movement stuff? Did you ever struggle as a, as a woman in ministry? Did you ever, not that you got assaulted or anything like that. Did you ever have any awkward moments with guys or pastors? No. Nope. My biggest controversy was why do you wear red nail polish <laughs> from a deacon? And I just smiled and nodded. I'm like, I don't know. I just like red nail polish back then. Now, I can't wear nail polish because I have too many children. I do too many dishes. But back then, when I was single, I could wear nail polish. Well, I think your story is is a great story. It's a great story of how, um, again, that students and we can grow up. We can grow up knowing Jesus. We can grow up living for Jesus. We can grow up living our entire life for Jesus. We can grow up not having to submit to culture, to society, and everything else that they are pushing on us. But what are what are those what are those things? What are those now? Those anthems that have come out of your life and out of your testimony that you want to proclaim to people. Well, the things I like to tell young ladies is that they can serve the Lord with all of their heart and with all their passion, that they shouldn't let anything stop them from going after God, that even if they're not the prettiest or they're not the most popular, that doesn't matter. Even if they're not the one that, you know, all the boys want to choose and date them, that's not what's important. It's important that you have a relationship with God, that you're following his plan for your life and that you do what God's calling you to do. So I just think that young ladies, especially, they just get distracted by these guys. And if guys don't like them, then their day is ruined. And, oh, he didn't text me back and he didn't send me a Facebook message. And they're just wrapping their whole entire life 
and their emotions and all their energies around whether a, a guy talks to them, likes them, texts them. And it's like, my land, you have so much more to live for than whether you're the popular girl, than whether you're the girl that everybody likes to take to prom. It's like, be who God's called you to be and don't worry about you know, whether guys like you or not, you you are worth so much more than that. You know, I was the nerdy study girl in school. You know, I studied and I don't know. I think there was one guy in high school that always wanted to ask me out, but he wasn't a Christian. So that wasn't even a question, (laughs) but I mean, it wasn't like everyone's knocking down the door to want to have anything to do with me. So I just got into my books and studied hard and was a good student. And that has ended up being something way more valuable than whether everyone thought I was pretty or not in school. So that's what I try to tell girls. You know, I even see girls in, in our youth group today, you know, and you're just, they're crying. You're like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, he didn't text me back. And you're like, really? All of your emotions are wrapped up in a guy. It's just not worth it. You know, wrap your emotions up in Jesus. He'll always satisfy you. He's always proud of you. And he's always going to have great things for you. So I just think young ladies, they just get so lost in the, the world of boyfriends and they think their value is less because they don't have a boyfriend and I just feel bad for them because their but now is- but now you are pretty and you and Melania Trump are having your battle between who's more pretty and who does greater things in Africa and who looked prettier in Africa so it's all good right right I think you're the only one <laughs> having that discussion <laughs> here's the thing I think that I gleaned from your story and see if this is accurate or not but it's just simply just be faithful to Jesus. You know, when the reason I asked those questions about you as a kid, as a girl, because it never seems like it never seemed like you had a moment where you thought you were going to be some great thing, or it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily seem like you had some great vision that you had. Oh, I had all these visions as a girl. And is that true? I mean, what I'm hearing you saying is you never had any moments where like, oh, I had all these visions that I was going to be great and do all these things. It was really more about just being faithful to live for Jesus. And then out of that, that's where God brought blessing and open doors and opportunities for you to minister for him. Well, I remember reading about and hearing about and seeing videos of like Amy Simple McPherson, who started the Foursquare Denomination, and Catherine Kuhlman, who was a healing evangelist. I mean, my dad would talk about their stories and tell me about them, and you'd say, oh, wow, that's just great that God used them. But I don't know if I ever made that my goal. I just wanted to be obedient. Again, I probably never thought that I was could ever achieve much. You know, I just wanted to do what God wanted me to do, and I guess just through faithfulness, God opens up those doors. But yeah, I haven't knocked down doors to or killed anybody, you know, to get out, you know, or stepped on anybody to to be on top. I've just obediently opened one door after the other, and all of a sudden, God opens up these amazing doors that I never thought was possible. Amen. Well, I think things that I would encourage those listening today is number one, be faithful, uh, serve the Lord. Number two, you can make it. You can serve the Lord. And I know as a pastor now, with kids that are Christians and pastoring a church. I look at these young people, these teenagers, and we do want to cry that out to them that they can follow Jesus, that they can serve Jesus. We're not asking them to be perfect. We're not saying that they're going to be mistake free, but they can follow Jesus and they don't have to submit to uh, the sins of their generation, uh, if if you will. Uh, number three, that, that God uses everyone, women, men, boys, girls, that God wants to use everyone. And he has powerful dreams and visions for every single one of us. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, our time together? 
No, I just appreciate the opportunity to share my story. And again, it's not that it's overly exciting, but I just think the takeaway for a lot of people is just be faithful to God, you know, faithfully read your Bible, faithfully pray, faithfully know God and be obedient to walk through the little steps that he gives you. And then all of a sudden the big steps come. Um, everybody wants to get patted on the back and everybody wants to be, Oh, you're so amazing. Everybody wants that, but nobody wants to lay that foundation of faithfulness. And I think if more people would lay that foundation of faithfulness without being applauded, without being lauded, without being told how amazing they are, we could get a lot more done. And so I would just say that that's an encouragement to everyone to just be faithful, to take the steps that God has opened up for you to do, you know, do the next step that God has given you, whether that step seems big or little, because those little steps lead to the next step. And, you know, when I wrote God's Girl, I didn't start out to do conferences. I just wanted to write a book because I figured teenage girls were listening. And then from that book has opened up this humongous opportunity to speak to thousands of girls that I never asked for. I just said, I want to write this book and then let God take it from there. Awesome. Well, if you're interested in following more of what Pastor Rachel is doing, just search no price tag or the Google, Facebook. You can check out uh, what's happening at her conferences. Thank you once again, Pastor Rachel, for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Grace Point Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you.